this. He's the Saber Advisors audio experience. Morning. Thanks, guys. So we uh, last night I was brainstorming for some ideas of what I thought would be good to discuss today. And obviously with the recent legalization of recreational marijuana in New York, I thought it would be good to have a dialogue about how that will affect uh, the retail industry as well as, uh, you know, the real estate industry as a whole. And I was reading some interesting articles about it um, that I thought were, were rather informative. And, you know, the one thing that I thought uh, – the one thing I thought that, that stuck out to me most in a lot of the articles I was reading is the way that the licenses are going to be governed. So counties cannot restrict – licenses they have to allow it but individual municipalities can make the decision of whether or not they want to allow uh, marijuana businesses whether dispensaries or places to consume uh, marijuana in their in their municipality they cannot however control if someone's going to come in and bring a, a, a cultivating facility so that is allowed um and obviously there's going to be a considerable amount of tax revenue that's going to be generated from the sale of marijuana on the recreational basis. But what I thought was pretty interesting is that if a municipality opts out of allowing a uh, dispensary or consumption location in their municipality, they can't participate in the tax revenue that the state's going to generate uh, for their particular municipality. And that posed a question to me and made me think about something was, you know, we all deal with more difficult municipalities when we're trying to get real estate deals done, right? And they could be difficult about the use, whether it's a drive-through, et cetera, and kind of keep businesses out, right? So uh, for whatever reason it is, and, you know, we always argue when we're doing Starbucks deals and we think we're going to get, you know, pushback on a drive-through, we don't understand why the municipality wouldn't want that, you know, increased tax revenue just from that retailer coming in like a Starbucks with or a McDonald's or anyone with a drive through and they and they try to restrict it. What my question is, and I'd love to hear people's opinion on is in these more difficult municipalities, there may be the more higher end, you know, uh, locations in, in New York. Um, do you think that they will continue or will be more restrictive on allowing uh, cannabis businesses in, or do you think they would want to participate in the tax generation of, of money? Because obviously with everything that went on last year and continuing businesses have been closing, don't I, I would believe that every municipality would want to increase their tax revenues, but I still think there's going to be pushback in some of these towns that historically have been difficult to get businesses open. And I'd love to hear people's opinion on, on that and whether or not you think they will bend in order to receive those tax benefits. So just cover the piece, the tax revenue, there's going to be like sales tax, the bifurcation where, or does it all go to the state and then come back? How's it, like if if you open a dispensary, you know, in in Roslyn, uh, does Roslyn directly get any uh, revenue from that, or is it all come back through the state? I, I didn't really specify exactly how it's distributed, but what it did say was that they won't. Again, it kept highlighting that they won't be able to participate in the tax revenue. So I got to imagine that. Um, the state would collect and then distribute. I would, I would assume if anyone here knows better than I do, I'd love to okay. hear about well, it. I, I, um, Russell, I assume you're correct that the, it gets generated and, and um, accepted by the state and part of it goes back. It's almost like a state and local tax almost. Right. So, so yeah. So that's interesting because then, uh, you know, you're, it'll be interesting to see how the municipalities play with whatever loopholes there are around this. But, you know, that does level a playing field. You know, if you're in the pool, you're going to benefit from, you know, and you're in, you know, upstate New York, you're going to benefit from the revenue generated like in New York City, uh, you know, on some formulaic basis. Uh, you know, so that that could be actually 
pretty interesting and and pretty motivating for a lot of municipalities to uh, allow it. I do ex- fully expect uh, is you know significant gerrymandering of the zoning and uh, you know how they allow it and I, I expect many of them will you know push the boundaries of how you know, restrictive they can be and you know shove it off to the most remote corner of their town as possible but still qualify them to be in the pool right no I so if a, an example for us like just personally you know we were working this is before uh, marijuana was legalized recreationally we were working with city MD uh, trying to that's the MD. I'm sorry. Um, Mad Men, right? Mad Men. They're other. They're spinoff company. Sorry. Um, that's in the marijuana space to to grow their business on the island, and they wanted to be in a high end neighborhood, uh, Manhasset, um, on Northern Boulevard, which is a you know a strong vehicular traffic, retail laden, uh, uh, you know stretch of road, and ultimately the town came back and wouldn't allow it to open. Um, so do you think, I got the thing, there's a town like that who I think, you know, obviously the people and the residents that, that live there are, are pay are in the higher tax brackets, but I don't think it's trickling down directly to the municipality. Um, maybe from their property taxes, you know, they might have a, a strong enough base where they don't feel that they need the sales tax revenue, um, uh, from the marijuana business, but I think every town could use the money right now. So do you think a town like a Manhasset would push back or, or would they allow it uh, also just to be on trend with what's going on in the world? I, I guess that's I'm, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Very curious. Yeah. So I, I think it's all going to come down to what they have to do in exchange. And kind of as I was getting at earlier, you know, how open they you know, they have to be to it, you know, what, what they can do with their zoning, how restrictive can they be allowing it, I think is everything. Um, and the, the less control they have over it, uh, the more likely they'll opt out of it. Yeah, I think you're, you're probably, you're probably right. You're probably right. Well, um, but I just think it's a, an interesting paradigm and it's also going to be, then there's going to be the towns that, are going to be welcoming the businesses with open arms, right? And do more. For sure. Do 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 more. Once people see that, or or retailers see that, you know, hey, these towns are really open and allowing this. I would think then it would generate more businesses to come to the town in general, and businesses that could, you know, benefit from being adjacent to cannabis sales, right? Like the you know, the go the go puffs of the world, or what's the cookie concept we were talking Didn't about? That cookie, or yeah. right, or the exactly the the hot box cookies, or whatever it's Crumble. called. Yeah, exactly. Are they going to be like, hey, you know, oh, um, Smithtown allows is has seven dispensaries because they're they're really letting it happen. Maybe I think the businesses around there are going to grow. And does it does it? change the optics right of the the way that people perceive the town and more and more people want to come in and open up businesses there because they just feel you know that they're pro-business that they're progressive etc and maybe just from allowing recreational marijuana in they're going to continue to help their town grow from a retail perspective across the board so i think that there's more wider implications of 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 not allowing it than there are of being able to play nice in the sandbox and allow more businesses to come in so i think that i think every town should be incentivized which they are through the tax revenue to do it because it's going to ultimately show people and retailers that want to come in that they're you know they're pro-business that's that's i think yeah, a pretty, right, a pretty, pretty, pretty strong argument there's still going to be towns you know, like Greenwich, Connecticut and Westport that are going to push back on it um, because people are living right in that town. Um, and then there'll be towns like Hoboken, New Jersey, where um, it's kind of part of the culture. Um, I mean, it's got, you know, a ton of bars, et cetera. I think there'll be, you know, whereas Hoboken, they're all battling right now. There's there's one deal signed and there's another two or three on the drawing board right now and um sean who's on this call could probably 
talk more about it, but there, there's lawsuits going on right now. Um, and you might find moratoriums as well on, um, you know, where they can locate. Um, you know, maybe a, a cannabis dispensary can only locate where a previous cannabis dispensary um, existed, you know, in the future. Like they have some food moratoriums. Right. Um, I don't know. But the, is, is the tax revenue going to be that high for a town that's got, you know, one dispensary? I guess it depends on, uh, you know, how many, what's, what's <laughs> how, how many, what's uh, yeah, how many, uh, how many consumers of cannabis are, are in the town? But I would think that, yes, yeah, but that may uh, not even be like that might, yes. So, and again, we're just sort of making stuff up because we don't know the formula. You know, what, but you know, what if the formula is, you know, if you're in and you allow it, regardless if you have any, or if you have one, you get a, you get your share based on your population of your town, maybe. You know, so there's, and that's not to say it's how it's going to be, but you know, there's potentially a lot of different ways it could come down and you know significantly affect, um, you know, the motivation or or how it all plays out. Yeah, I mean, I just I think that if you look at New York as a whole, and I think a good comparison would be to see what the tax revenues increases were in you know out west in California. But I'd say I think that with at least New York, we we have strong buying power for the product, and I think that the gray market marijuana economy pre legalization was very strong in New York. Uh, and now the fact that they've, you know, legalized it and, and made it systematic, that people are going to have the option to, rather than get, you know, meeting a, a, some shady guy in a parking lot to buy a, a bag of dope, they could go into a nice, you know, Apple store looking place and buy what they want. I think that it's going to attract a lot of customers that were already consumers of marijuana, but I think also open up the 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 floodgates to people that maybe were, you know tried pot in college and we're like, Oh, you know what? Now that it's regulated and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's government mandated and we're saying it's legal. I'm going to try it too. And maybe see the benefits of it either socially or, or medicinally and going to continue to grow the people that are going to partake uh, in marijuana consumption. So I think New York could really benefit from the tax benefits because people have money here and I think people were already consuming uh, a lot of pot and now that we can buy illegally it's going to generate a lot of tax I, I do yeah I, I think you're going to grow the base for the reasons you just said um, I think you know New York stands to benefit from you know clearly the you know the over the border shop leakage that you know has been happening since you know, Massachusetts and New Jersey uh, have legalized and I also think that you know the you will inevitably see, uh, you know, dispensaries because you, if you, you know, I've seen them in Vegas and, and other places, you know, they will be, you know, as you kind of said, Apple store like experiences to at least head off, you know, the, the physical impression that, that it's something shady, you know, and, and they will probably, you know, a lot of them will, will be, not even so obvious from the outside what it is and unless you kind of know what it is um i think you'll see a lot of that and and so then you know it it'll continue to challenge the towns to you know to turn it down there there will be lawsuits (laughs) there will be lawyers i'm sure there will um uh I I'd love to hear from I invited Sean up because I'd love to hear his take on how the marijuana retailing would be affected and how he sees it in the boroughs. He's a very um, active borough broker, and I want to understand what his take on it is. So, Sean, if you're willing to weigh in, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. You know, I'm just catching my breath. I'm doing that clubhouse run. Interesting. <laughs> um, I think that it's going to be swarming. You know, as a guy that hasn't touched anything in over 10 years, I see, I, I agree with Russell is that the, kind of like gambling, there were people doing it before, but there are people that are going to try it. And in a neighborhood like I'm in right now in Williamsburg, it was already 
two years ago, one of the biggest tourist attractions in Bushwick and, you know, uh, Brooklyn Bridge Park. These areas are already hotbeds for tourism just in Brooklyn. And I don't see... I think that they're going to be very strict on the size that you have to get because you're going to want lines going too bright. You don't want the Supreme, you know, store where you have a line two blocks down for marijuana. That's not a good look for kids, right? Sure. And you got, uh, so your size of your space is going to be big once, you know, we don't have a restriction on occupancy. It still has to be big to hold that many people. And I think that there's going to be heavy restrictions on how many licenses there's going to be. And the strangest thing I'm going to say is I think that there's going to be a big uptick in rehabilitation centers. Like, this is, it's good and it's bad. It's good. And there's a new medical wave of, of getting people back to better. Yes, there are liquor stores, and there have been liquor stores forever, but there's a plenty of alcoholics too. Sure. You know, so that that's that's you're going to have to have good, well-respected operators, and they're going to get a zero tolerance policy, right? And it's and a lot of it's not going to be like on their fault, but they're they're going to have to restrict it to the max because you can't have. The local deli who sells beer in a, in a dime bag is dispensing it out. It's not going to work. So you're saying the bodega's core business is going away? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> I'm just saying that the bomb shop that used to only sell chips and, and the egg and cheese may want to just sell chips and an egg and cheese and get on the right side of this one. Sure. But who knows? Maybe maybe I'm wrong, and maybe they sell bongs and be the a- ancillary, just like the rehabilitation center. Sure. You know what so, I thought you said that was interesting. I, I, I think, it, I Sorry, think at Doug. least in New York, it's going to be. I think there's zero chance that you're going to have a, a mixed use type of. Uh, you won't get a license. Like the dispensary is going to 100. percent I agree. Guarantee it will be very strictly regulated as to what it can be. That is, it's going to be its primary business. It will, you know, likely not have any unrelated products and meaning you know food other beverages things like yep. that will likely be product and accessories period full stop so yeah that that ain't gonna happen not in new york i can guarantee you that no but i one thing you said that i thought was interesting that i wasn't thinking about is like if you look at like a brooklyn bridge park if you had a dispensary in dumbo i would imagine it would be insane because people are going to go in there buy a joint smoke it and then look at these amazing views right and, and hang yep. out in the park and it's gonna be a, would be a crazy business generator but then it's a matter of how would the as a city feel about that yeah how does the city feel about consumption that you can consume outdoors in massachusetts uh, you're not allowed to be within x feet of a park got it. like a park you know what well, new york city is right. there's parks everywhere so well, it's Hey Sean, what I what I understand is that it's le- it's basically legal to smoke marijuana in New York City, anywhere cigarette smoking is legal. Yeah, technically a park is not legal, just like a so beach. You can't smoke a cigarette in a park anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why? Yeah. So, but that also begets like, you know, the it's not right. It's not just smoking. It yeah. There's the edible side of it. So I would imagine. You know, in a place like New York, where it's yeah, probably a little difficult to find a place to light up and and not potentially get a fine. Well, maybe the edible carry the day. I mean, yeah, a little great, little gummy, gummy bear take you take you all the way. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Is that your slogan? It sounds awesome. <laughs> Russell's getting T-shirts made. Yeah. Pretty sure they're already printed. He needs to sell them right now. I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for the, the right moment to dispense them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I, so I, got, a question, I got a question because we talked about this in a different room on Friday. Um, the, uh, yeah, let's we bring it back a, a little more directly to real estate. The use clause, or more importantly, prohibited uses and exclusives. Uh, so, yeah. Anybody who's been involved historically in a transaction with a big box uh, store, 
uh, you know, I've got a lot of history with Walmart. You know, the list of noxious uses, of course, included uh, you know, cannabis in, in all its forms. Um, so the question, you know, for everybody is, do you see that, A, continuing uh, as a not considered to be a noxious use by the anchors, or does it start appearing as an exclusive use by the anchors uh, with the implication, you know, the implication being that they would prospectively be angling uh, at some point to be getting into the business themselves? Well, Doug, does Walmart has a noxious use a liquor store for them? Like I know for Starbucks, we have noxious uh, uses, but liquor store is not one. Liquor uh, store, I think, was I think it's gone away. Um, but I'm not certain, but liquor store was, yes. Right. So like, obviously alcohol is a lot, not as let's demonized. Not, not just Walmart. Let's just take, you know, let's just, right, any, talk, any you know, tenet, all, all yeah. these guys. Cause I know, you know, many, many of the big boxes do have, you know, marijuana and that type of thing as a, as a prohibited use. Right. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm just as curious to see what happens as you are, because if you look at it the way it is now, I understand they don't want to be near a, maybe a, a medical for whatever reason. But I, I don't see why. But now that it's recreational, it's going to become as mainstream as going to a liquor store and buying a bottle of Classe Azul. Maybe not immediately, but over time it will. And I think that they'll, they're going to be popping up in more and more local shopping centers. So. Do, does a does a target let's say see it as an opportunity right where oh if there's a recreational marijuana dispensary in the shopping center maybe i should beef up my store and store offerings for um fast food because people are going to want to eat after they get high and maybe i don't know maybe they look at it as uh, a benefit rather than a negative but yeah i think that'd be really interesting to see do you see them getting into the business over time actually selling i mean if they were right next to your gummy vitamins yeah if they're well to your point before when you said you know then you're being a seller of all different merchandise and it would would they get get licensed um you know selling all of those other things in plus marijuana i don't know but i guess a company like target that has as much clout as they do might be able to pull it off so so and i don't remember what somebody had commented but Think of it around the angle of when pharmacies are licensed to sell, um, yeah, sell the products, and then all of the big boxes and grocery stores have pharmacies in them. Yeah, sort of think about it from that angle. You know, if they if they can, do they? It's a great question. I, I I would say why not jump in on the party, generate income, but you know they also have brand image that they're trying to protect. So my position is much more liberal about it. I think that why not? It's legal and people consume it. And, you know, if you've done research about marijuana and why it was prohibited for so long, it was mostly political rather than health related. So, um, you know, if, if Target wanted to sell booze, people would buy it there. You know, I would if I was stopping there and it was there, I would. They sell beer. Right. Well, why not? I, I My opinion is the why not. So. But I could, Anybody else? Can you guys think? Justin, you I mean, have no I, opinion. I think <laughs> it's going to uh, be the same as you know CBD. I mean, you know, five years ago, I didn't see any Target, Walmart have any of those products. And I mean, I just went into Dick's last week, and they have like a whole wall of CBD products. I think it's only a matter of time. You know, if it's all legal and, and federally, uh, I think everyone's going to be selling it. So you actually hit the the right button there, and that was that was the thing I was forgetting about the um, things like CVS selling it is the is the federal issue, um, and actually that's that's really the the governor on uh, no pun intended um, a lot of the. Yeah, a lot of the big retailers getting into it uh, is that until there's uh, federal recognition and decriminalization, then they'll stay out of it. Um, but when that goes away, and it's just I think it's not if it's when. It's uh, got to be when. It's just a matter of time. It has to be. Right. That that actually is is that's the game changer for 
this becoming, you know, for you, you really getting, uh, you know, some real true heavyweight players in the space because the problem now is, you know, every state's different. You know, you've, you've got to sort of win in every state to get licenses, et cetera. Um, and there's still frankly financial problems. There's banking problems. Many, many banks will not touch the money, um, payment, all kinds of stuff that you don't really think about on the surface, but have actually, uh, been very problematic for dispensaries, uh, you know, and continue to be because it's you know, considered illegal federal, federally still. And so, uh, you know, these large multi-retailers and, and, you know, all different players are still not, you know, getting into the business because of that. when that Doug, changes, look at Doug, it's Sean. I'm curious what you've seen with that. You know, it's, it seems like if there's an FDIC mortgage, you have to figure out a different way or not take the space. That's for, right. So what has been the, the detour for tenants to try to do it? Do they just avoid the property? Uh, yeah, you have to. Well, uh, yeah, there may I be some, some landlords that don't actually know and are probably in default of their loan. But you bring up a really great point. Yeah, if you have any kind of, uh, uh, you know, there's a very good chance the mortgage you have on your property, uh, if you lease to uh, a, a dispensary, the, you're in violation of your mortgage. Who's policing that? The banks? That I do not know. I don't know if anybody's actively out there policing it, but it does, you know, to me, it's not that somebody is there policing it and, you know, 10 minutes after they open, they're coming after you. It's when you get into a position where you need something from the bank or you get into, you know, uh, you know, arrears on your loan or you're having some kind of difficulty and, you know, they, if they want, it gives them an opportunity to put you in default if you get yourself in a situation where they want to put you in default. Interesting. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, a bank can legally accept illegal payments. So, since pot isn't federally legal, a bank, if they accepted a landlord's you know rent payment to cover the mortgage, they could get seriously fined. Um, so that they, they don't touch it at all. I know dispensary operators that literally have full time people. And their job is to run to any 7-Eleven that they can and take out $1,000 money orders all day long so that they can pay their bills because it's just all cash and they have nowhere to put in. So I'll take this in another direction, yeah. though, in a topic I'd love to talk about is I think that you will also see the longer it takes federally, um, I think you will see some real payment solutions and they're out there, but real adoption of, of crypto payment solutions. I, Doug, I'm solves. so glad you said that. It was literally the next thing that was going to come out of my mouth. Yeah. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't crypto solve yes. the issue then? It does. Because if every dispensary accepts crypto and it's easy to buy coins, uh, you know, you could buy coins through Robinhood or whatever and, and get it in Coinbase or wherever you're going to do it, right? Yep. right? Mm -hmm. um, then you just use Coinbase, which is, you know, exploding right now coinbase becomes the go-to for the marijuana industry and i think they could make them even more valuable than they already are and then so you can also pay your pay your mortgage in crypto because eventually banks right. are going to accept crypto that's right but they and, don't and currently they, correct um don't know but this is the, like there's i i've been i've talked to a couple of companies that you know they have developed and are working on deploying payment systems, you know, crypto payment systems, and along that go along with the you know the wallet they've developed, et cetera, with some really novel uh, schemes, not schemes, really novel models for um, incentivizing you know, merchants from for taking crypto. Whole different discussion, but um, this is a, the liability is that at the federal level they kick the can down the road. Uh, you know, too far. And this is a, this is absolutely an opening for crypto to, to gain a, I won't call it mainstream, but a significant niche, uh, hold on an industry that would accelerate, you know, the, the normalization and, and acceptance of, of people transacting in crypto. And so I think that you could see, 
you know, if there's real adoption, that that could be a big push on the federal government to, uh, you know, to legalize, uh, you know, legalize it uh, nationally uh, to stave that off. Agreed. I think that's you. Literally, I was about to say it. I'm glad you said it. Uh, we got Eddie Gonzalez up here. He wanted to raise his hand and join in. I want to see what Eddie has to say about this this topic. Mr. Good Arizona. morning, ladies and gentlemen. Hope everybody's doing well today. So I heard the topic this morning. I was on the way into the office, so I decided to drive past our local dispensary and see what it looks like at 6:30 in the morning. And I will tell you, it is the first time that I've never seen a line wrapped all the way around the building. Wow. And what they're doing out here, so I had a very conservative landlord group reach out to me and say, Eddie, we want to learn a little bit more about this. And the fact that they reached out of all people tells me something very interesting. So I dove into it a little bit just to start probing and asking some questions. What they're doing out here is there are tons of rules and regulations about the spacing. So you have to be this many feet away from a residence. You have to be this many feet away from a church. You have to be this many feet away from a school. So what they're doing to get around that is they're buying properties with cash and they're buying the properties all around those properties and they already have those buildings targeted so they go in and they're literally just buying assemblages with cash and then turning scraping buildings and then turning it into parking and they do they look very nice they're standalone buildings that have way too much parking you could drive past some of them and not know what they are but most of them do say dispensary on the front. That's interesting. You know, it's also, you bring up the parking, which I think is an important part of it. So I was talking to a broker locally who is very involved in the cannabis industry. And he approached me about a lot that I'm selling that is just, you know, two, two lots over from a, a pretty large dispensary in one of our a medical dispensary at this point, but eventually it'll convert in one of our stronger retail corridors on Long Island. And that dispensary group, which I forgot the name of it, it's one of the big ones that are you know publicly traded on the Canadian stock market. And they wanted to just buy the land just for parking. And it's an expensive piece. It's a $2 million piece. And they're interested in buying it. It's only 20,000 feet. Uh, you know, has a building on it. They want to scrape the building. And just added just to have parking because there's, the store is so busy that they're not able to accommodate all the customers' demand that are coming in. And I think they see the future with it now being legalized, that it's going to be even busier and they're going to need to you know, control parking. So, yeah, I think parking is important for these, especially if they're going to be a huge draw and a destination from a large geographic area. Because to your point about spacing, you know, they're not going to be on top of each other, for the mo- I would imagine, for the most part. It's interesting because everybody else these days wants wants or needs less parking. Right. Well, they they are anticipating less customers through the front door, I guess. So yeah, um, it's pretty interesting. Um, all right. Well, it's nine thirty six. We're about halfway. Th- you know, a little bit more than halfway through our hour. You are you are listening to the Saber Advisors this week in retail on Clubhouse. Uh, we are talking about the impact of on retail uh, from the legalization of recreational marijuana, most specifically in New York, because that's where I'm from and it's new and it just happened and we kind of wanted to talk through it. But I am also would love to hear from people in other parts of the country that are either have been already been legalized, like Eddie was just talking about, uh, to give us some insight on, you know, how retail has changed or modified or pivoted in in your markets or that you know it's coming or if you're in a state where you think it's not going to come for a long time i'd love to hear the opinions of people uh throughout the country and we just got a new visitor up top hey judy how are you i'm good thank you for calling me up 
Um, I just wanted to let you guys know, I don't know too much about the industry in general, but we worked with Total Wine and More as a client for quite a while, and I'm in California where the legalization was earlier, and I asked them if they might sell marijuana, if they were gonna add it, and they said no. And I'm like, you're kidding, right? You guys sell alcohol and cigars and you don't wanna sell And they were like, oh no, we would never do that. Did, did they give any reasoning why? Um, I think they think it is a, you know, morally wrong or something was the, my impression. And, uh, you know, I'm not speaking for corporate. I'm just saying that that was the idea that I got was that they were not comfortable with it. And it well, is real, as you guys were discussing. You can't, you know, put the money in the bank. So that's a challenge. <laughs> but, um, I think somebody should open a big box and it's not going to be me. So, you know, speaking of California, again, we were talking about this on Friday and uh, Ryan Wolf uh, lives in California brought up that, uh, you know, the other competitor is effectively the DTC uh, cannabis competitor. Uh, the And so he said that, uh, you know, they, it's actually really, it, the model's really interesting. And, and when you hear it, it sort of makes a lot of sense. So, you know, the product obviously is small, light, super transportable. So at least one of these companies out there uh, stages vehicles all over the city, uh, you know, strategically. And uh, they have essentially a, a merchandise, um, uh, what do you call it, inventory setup in the trunk, right, of, of all the different uh the different products and you open up the app and uh, you place your order and, and it's delivered in, in 30 minutes or less. I mean, that, that's amazing. And just, I mean, obviously Russell is now it, moving it, to California. No, uh, it, I mean, I th I don't, I, I would imagine that's probably going to come to New York also. I mean, it would just sure. basically be a knockoff. It sounds like my youth. What are you it, talking Yeah, it sounds about? like my, yeah. it sounds yeah. like when and I was in college. The difference is you're not going to get arrested now for. Right, for, where for I would, what I would, yeah. you would, you would, you would cage the Cartoon Network and they would come by to your house with a small uh, um, <laughs> lockbox <laughs> of all different flavors, shapes, and forms. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was like the best ever. I remember, you know, first time I was interning in the city. Uh, during college and I was exposed to this. What do you mean? They come to your apartment with all different types of pot. That's unreal. And yeah, I mean, that's been a core business in New York City for a long, long time. Well, now, you know, now you can get the app on the app store, I, I think, or at least on, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, the Google Play Store, maybe. Uh, yeah, so that was interesting. And, you know, the thing about that, uh, is you know, so you go well? Why wouldn't that just completely knock out the dispensaries? And I, I think the answer to that is that, like any other market, you know, you've got the corner store where you, you know you buy you know liquor in a paper bag uh, for two bucks. You know, you've got you know Walmart or or you know your public supermarket or whatever where you can buy the mid-range stuff, and then you have you know wine stores of varying qualities uh, where you get different different types of products. And I think that's kind of the answer of why, you know, that's not the only solution, you know, that'll be a premium solution or is a premium solution most likely, uh, with probably a, a surcharge for the convenience. And, you know, over time, you know, there'll be, Hey, you know, I'm kind of on a budget. So I, you know, I go to, you know, pick my stuff up you know, I get it at Walmart while I'm grocery shopping or whatever. Um, so I think that's, you know, there's going to be a lot of different modes of, of delivery. Well, I also, would be curious to ask anyone that gives so Judy you're already, you're in California how does the legalization of recreational marijuana affect gray market sales right do does your local pot man go out of business or does he stay in business and now he has a lot more safety in you know selling to his customers because if he gets pulled over you know he's assuming he is under the, the legal limit of what you're allowed to transport does he do, do they stay in business? Do they, you know, do they see it as a positive or a negative to to their their business model? Uh, I'd be curious to does anyone anyone here is a you know street pharmacist? I'd love to speak to them about it. 
I um, I'm not a, a I'm not a street pharmacist, so I don't really know um, what's going on with that. But my gut is that it would become like a price war because it's not taxed. You know, if, if some guy is just selling it to you that they're growing it at home and selling it to you or whatever they're doing, and then it's not taxed, and it might be that you can get the creamy, as you guys were discussing, the, the various choices that you could get, maybe get kind of a bad version cheaper. But right. um, we also, so, I just so want to go back really quick and just mention, we did get postcards sent to our homes. My parents got postcards like, um, let us know if you'd like us to deliver marijuana. Like, nicely printed postcards when it first legalized. Yeah, I mean, it's all going to be first class. And I, I think that, um, you know, the other thing that really doesn't get pointed to a lot, one of the things you're going to get by buying it legitimately is, like, certification, you know, testing, certification, you know, standards. And, you know, uh, a big, another big retail, not retail, another big commercial real estate space opportunity is space for testing labs. And apparently uh, I'm hearing that this is actually in high demand and, and kind of difficult to, to find that there's not enough of it. Uh, and there's going to be a big demand for it. So, you know, always be thinking about the tangential impacts on, on real estate. You know, we're talking retail, but in the commercial, wider commercial space, you know, there's, there's opportunities around this as well. Hi, Fred. Welcome to the stage. Good morning, all. Last week I was driving up to Reading, I think, and uh, I'm walking my dog, Millie, and it's nuking snow in Park City. So I hope it's warm where you are because I'm ready for warm temperatures. <laughs> um, as a REIT, we, uh, we will embrace the cannabis industry with open arms, but the caveat obviously is federal legislation being passed due to the banking laws. Um, to the question about the gray market, there was a good piece on a, uh, on a news program, I don't know, a few months back, but it talked about uh, how in California, how regulated it is, the fees on top of the fees that are on top of the fees that one you know, must pay. Now, again, this could be more applicable to a smaller operation, but uh, they're like astronomical. So profit margins, you know, shrink, surprisingly, but it's it's just due to the amount of uh, again fees and taxes, et cetera, that uh, California is placing on them. So therefore, it's like, well, screw the state. I'm just going to go back and you know, don't have to pay taxes, don't have to pay this, don't have to pay that. But then the flip side is getting caught. So. Right. And so I, I have friends that live in L.A. and this is years ago when it was, you know, it's fucking five, six years ago. And <clears throat> I remember saying, oh, I want to go check out a dispensary. I've never been to one. And they're like, oh, we don't go to them. We just get it delivered from our normal guy. And it's like considerably cheaper and it's the same quality. And I was surprised yeah. about it at the time because I was like, well, the idea of it going into a store, that's kind of cool. Right. Especially as a retail guy. Um, you know, I remember the first time I went to a dispensary in, in Vegas when we were at an ICSC and I was like, this is a really cool experience, but I guess yeah. if it's, if it, for people that were, it's there always there, they might, you know, use the novelty of going to the dispensary, but then it seems to be that they referred it back to their, you know, their, their guy that just, you know, they've known for years and just brings it by and it's cheaper and they're happy with it. So I, I guess that's, you know, it's, it's. To, if they tax it so much and make it un, unattainable and, and make it so expensive, I don't think that the gray market ever goes away. No, I would agree. And uh, as far as Utah goes, well, at least Park City, but our closest one is in uh, Wendover, just on the other side of the Nevada border. But uh, that place has a line constantly, constantly. So anyhow, listen, I'm going to I'm going to get off. Uh, uh, the stage here. It's uh, cold and snowing, and I'm going to finish walking Millie. Great to, great to, <laughs> great talk to you guys. Fred. Enjoy. Uh, 
so there you go. More a, confirmation. It's just the federal legislation to really open things. Yeah, one hundred percent. Anyone else interested uh, from our uh, wonderful guests down below? Interested in weighing in on their markets? I, I liked the. I liked what Fred just brought up about how the REITs are going to handle it. I think that that's pretty uh, applicable to the discussion. And, yeah, I agree. I think most REITs would welcome with open arms if they could collect the rent, not in a bag of cash that smells like pot. Right. So um, I think that, you know, they, they, they should probably be pushing for the, the federal uh, uh, legalization because it just opens up a larger pool of tenants for them to lease to and, and get generate revenue to their shopping centers. So, um, interesting to see how that plays out. For sure. I also think the point is correct on, uh, if the taxes on it are kind of crazy that, uh, people will continue their quote unquote regular routine. Um, here in Florida, it's only medical and, uh, the medical card, you have to renew, I think it's like every two years or something. And there's also a limit to how much you can actually buy in a dispensary. So I know several people with a card that uh, still buy on the street, quote unquote, because uh, they hit their dispensary limit. So there's still that going on. Caleb, Caleb welcome, welcome. Hey, guys, thanks for bringing me up. I appreciate it. I was actually meaning to ping one of my friends in, but when I was asked to come on up, I was like, well, it's 8.45 in the morning. Let's do this thing. I've, I just want to say real quick, I've really enjoyed this club. I'm not too into the retail industry, but I'm getting, I'm getting into it, if that makes sense. And I'm super, super enjoying my time in this, I don't know what you would call it, retail realm. So... Yeah, I just wanted to say I've been enjoying this club and these type of rooms. Thanks, Caleb. We appreciate it. we got about 10 minutes left. If uh, anyone else wants to come share on this topic, we could probably talk about it all day, but uh, inviting anyone else up. So I think just as a little commentary, we'll see if anybody, anybody else, said, you know, and if there's any other topics, certainly bring them up as we wrap up. But um, hey, hey, Russell, uh, a, a big, oh, go ahead, Fred. Yeah, I have something that just came to mind. Um, the light bulb went off. I also handle Oregon for us, and uh, we have a center in Corvallis. I had a gentleman approach me again about a dispensary. I said, how do you do your banking? And he's using a credit union. And I just thought I'd throw that out there. I've heard of this. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I was thinking about that because I think that they're state chartered, so they get around the federal issue. Right. And and in light of the fact that we have debt on that particular asset, uh, you know, we just we couldn't do it. But uh, I thought that was interesting. But the question is that if a local credit union... Um, is willing to take marijuana profits into a bank account, but then is it not FDIC insured, right? It's not, I don't believe. Tell me right. if I'm wrong. I believe that's correct, yes. Right, so. I, and, you know, I, but I, I, well, I think, frankly, that's the least of their concerns. If you, if you just have a place, I mean, it's, a, it's like a safety issue. I mean, it's literally bags of cash. Yeah, I don't know who, I think it was Kyle or maybe Sean. Maybe you were talking about running down to 7-Eleven all day long to get $1,000 money orders. Like, it's like a legit safety problem. Uh, yeah, the, these bigger dispensaries hire like SWAT teams to to escort their cash and protect yeah, their cash. So, so I, I, I got news for you. Not being FDIC insured, not probably high on the list of problems that they're looking at. They you're got a bank that'll take that money. That's Yeah, that's not stopping them, I'm pretty sure. Well, then my question, that's a, so that just that set a light bulb for me, right? So um, New York is legal. I open a dispensary. I, I got all this cash. How do I pay my taxes? Can I cut a check? Can I pay it in cash? How does that work? It's a good question. I certainly never tried to pay my taxes in cash. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's notable. Like there are ways to pay or there are ways to bank. It's just hard. 
they won't you have you have to be very clean you know if you've got any kind of a, a history you're gonna have a problem it's not like that you can't it's just a very you know it's a big obstacle that you know is is not easy to solve but there are solutions to it and yeah you got to figure out how to pay your taxes and you know if you have a license they're you know they're going to know who you are so um yeah you just have to figure that figure that out um yeah got it not easy um, and i don't know all the i don't know all the answers of how people no are no it's, it. this is why I, yeah. it's, it's, natalie said i think we talk about this all day so it's very interesting uh we've got a new speaker came up steven how are you welcome to the stage Good morning. Thank you, everyone. I'm just calling in from California and I wanted to chime in from the uh, commercial mortgage banking side. Uh, we deal with a lot of institutional life company lenders. And I tell you from a from a finance side, you know, the federal component is is really the, the stopping point for a lot of these institutional guys. Um, I think Fred you know, hit the nail on the head and you guys did as well when it comes down to being able to, you know, collect income from these tenants. Um, we've had it on a servicing end where we've seen, you know, landlords that have these tenants in their buildings that they are not aware of. Well, you know, it becomes a servicing issue. We've never actually had a default on any of these because we service, you know, about $10 billion in debt. Um, but we have had to work with these landlords to basically get these tenants out of the buildings. So from a standpoint of being able to make this um, – easier to navigate. The federal component is big. And then just some other things to um, that we've seen here in California. I mean, we I live in Venice, Venice Beach, and there is a uh, MedMen's down the street on Abikini. And I can tell you during or prior to the pandemic, there was a Brinks truck two times a day on the alley behind the street. I mean, these guys were pulling out bags of cash. And I mean, they were pretty, you know, pretty secure about it. But I mean, this place, as other people have chimed in earlier, lines around the building. Um, but, you know, getting back to the finance end, we've seen uh, some debt funds, uh, some credit unions finance these uh, these sort of single tenant properties. Um, and we have some very, very large, I should say, institutional size, regional uh, industrial guys that have been asking us when, you know, when the, uh, the life companies would be looking into this because they have large, you know, large uh, users asking to use their facilities from a, from a growth standpoint, which... Is a completely other conversation, but I think it's a while off. Um, you know, guys like the medical office space when that kind of came around, it was a couple, you know, a couple years before they started entertaining the product. Um, I think the same thing will uh, come here once it becomes federally legal. Perfect. Um, let's see. So we have about five minutes left. Yeah, five minutes left. Perfect. Um, any last thoughts from the stage, or I'll start to clear that. Doug, any last uh, words? <laughs> Uh, I've expressed plenty of uh, words, so no, I'm good. I'm done. Why don't you bring us home? Perfect. Russ, you want to close us out or you want me to do it? Sure. Uh, well, again, thank you for joining us today for our weekly uh, installment of Sabre Advisors This Week in Retail. Uh, we were discussing the legalization of recreational marijuana in New York and beyond, Um and how it is going to affect the retail industry and how different municipalities and landlords, et cetera, are going to navigate those waters. Um, I appreciate everyone that came up and, and weighed in. And uh, if anyone has any last things, speak now forever, hold your peace. And if not, we'll see you next week. Uh, same time, same channel. I'm looking forward to it. Appreciate the time, guys. Thanks for calling Thanks, me up. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for all the info. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye.